episode 183 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log, with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. You can get a free three-day trial of the Ground School app by visiting learnthefinerpoints.com. Well, my name is Lee Hubner. I am an aeroplane nerd, a camera nerd and an aeroplane nerd. And it's a lot of fun to share this stuff uh, via social media. Aviation Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. This intro is going to be very, very short. I am currently in Norfolk, Virginia. Just had a crazy long day of flying. Today's podcast is with Lee from Hangar at 145. Uh, Lee has a crazy story, one that I'm very excited to share. And I made one of the worst bets of my life. He is going to send me Vegemite in return i will send him pilot's coffee i don't know what i was thinking it must have been his australian accent that just kind of swayed me to give him this free coffee for the vegemite but here we are but aviation i hope you enjoyed today's podcast it is a great one if you do please like this episode you can go ahead and leave us a review on itunes and you can also follow us on pilot's coffee and pilot the pilot on instagram that's it i'm gonna keep it nice and short so without any further ado here's lee from hangar 145 Lee, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Matt, I'll be honest, I'm just here for the coffee. I assume you'll be sending me some sort of a a care package. I know, right? I I need to do this better where I need to make this a video podcast where we're both drinking Pilot's coffee. You know, we got to be all on brand and and make it work. I'm shocked you didn't send it before the podcast. And that way we (laughs) could sort of just start and I would just casually do a little... And that's when you'd say, oh, well, what do you enjoy? Yeah. And, I, and I'd do a little uh, little neat plug there. Well, we can just pretend like you have Pilot's Coffee and make it happen. I'll just send it to you afterwards. <laughs> Mate, that, how's it all going? I, I was super stoked to see you do that. Like, is it, is it going well? Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty cool. Uh, my wife and I love coffee. I've always loved coffee. And uh, kind of coming up through the, through the ranks of flying and aviation and building my time, there's so much bad coffee. And I just don't want to drink bad coffee anymore, you know? So <laughs> trying to fix that. But it's going well. It's been fun uh, learning a lot and just going to continue to build it. And hopefully it'll take over the coffee world one day. Yeah, good work, man. I was stoked when I saw you do it. I thought that was super cool just to go and, you know, try try something. Just do it, you know? You have an idea, so you just go and do it. You know, there's lots of people who wouldn't do it. So good yeah, work. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, just trying to just trying to make a difference. One one coffee at a time. <laughs> yep, yep. That's how it, it starts. It's fun. Funny, I uh, I have a friend in Australia. Never met her before. Her name's DJ Danielle. Mm-hmm. DJ, I'm forgetting her Instagram name. Sure, oh, man. But uh, yeah, yeah, DJ. Yes, she wants to I try Pilot's coffee I too. I, I don't know. But that's one of my standard things. Every time I meet someone, they go, "Oh yeah, I, I know a guy in Australia, uh, Bob," and I go, <laughs> oh, "Yeah, DJ? Bob, Bobby," yeah. and they go, "Yeah," and you go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know him." But, you know, I never do it, but. <laughs> But what she was saying is uh, Australian coffee is pretty good. I've never had Australian coffee. And she yeah. claims it's the best. So she has very high standards. My wife's, I'm not a coffee snob. I, you know, I confess. But um, my wife's from Melbourne and Melbourne coffee is, you know, it's pretty hoity-doity. Uh, it is pretty good. So um, y- y- if you ever do meet uh, someone from Melbourne 
and, and they're trying your coffee, just, you know, be prepared. They are going to let you know if it is good or bad. So uh, I can take it. I'm be, a big boy. You, you, you're being warned. <laughs> yeah. That's good though. Maybe, uh, maybe she's got some hookups down in Melbourne and she can uh, give me some good coffee. Yeah, exactly. All right, perfect. Well, hey, let's get this started, man. I am very interested in having you on and hearing your story. Uh, you will be probably I will, the second Australian I've ever had on here. So uh, oh, you're representing you, the country, man. Who, who else did you chat to? It was uh, the Mallard, that Mallard guy, if you've ever followed him before. He has his own oh, podcast. no way. Yeah, yeah so I've had I him on before. Yeah, so he was pretty cool to have on. But I'm, I was supposed to get the, the what is it, the Flying Royal Doctors. I was supposed to have them on, but something fell through. We actually scheduled it and the timing didn't work out, but I haven't gotten them back on. But you are... Uh, I hope you can because the flying doctors, which in general I sort of feel like aren't really known that much in the US, they are the most remarkable organization. The, the, the stuff those pilots do is, you know, next level. It's the thing that I think most Americans underestimate is the size of Australia and how remote it is. You know, like really we live on the edges of the country. Like we're, we live near the beach and that's about it. You drive a few hours in from the coast and it's just nothing but dirt and, you know, kangaroos. So when those guys live out in the, you know, big giant cattle stations in the middle of nowhere and you hurt yourself, you're a day's drive from a hospital. So your only hope is to, is to have these, the Royal Flying Doctors come in and get you and they land on roads and, you know, like they'll send a local policeman out to drive along and find a one mile stretch of straight road. Like, and I can land the plane on, like it's, it's very cool. That's insane. I'll have to get them on then because I, I flew the PC 12 and I know that they're very big in Pilatus aircraft and they fly the PC 12, PC 24 now. So we kind of have a shared interest there. Uh, but yeah, they do some cool stuff just from the outside really looking cool. in. And I have a very limited insight to it. Cause as you know, Americans, we only care about what we do sometimes. <laughs> and we're no, not really cool. the most worldwide people. <laughs> so no, it's, it's always no, great. that'll be a really interesting chat. Good. I'm glad. Well, hey, man, let's talk about you. Uh, aviation. Why aviation? Why did you want to become a pilot? It's, I, I don't have any family that flew. The best I can sort of pinpoint it is a, a little ride I did when I was little, six or so, um, in, a, in a Cessna, some sort of a joy flight. To the best of my knowledge, that's probably where the bug started. But beyond that, it's, it's like a lot of people. You know, when you meet little kids and they just, they look up and they're just fascinated. I think there's something, it sounds a little corny, don't judge me, but it is a little bit magical. Like you look up and there's this thing, this hunk of metal, you know, <laughs> flying through the air. I think when you're little, you, you can be very easily mesmerized by that. And that was probably me, I guess. It was, it was just so cool and, and totally obsessed with it when I was little. How do you go, and this is like a constant thing, there's a lot of people that are in love with aviation and they never go down that path and they find themselves 40, 50 and they're, and they're kind of itching and wish that they did. But you, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, got the 172, you knew, not the, got the 172, but had the ride in the 172 and knew you loved aviation. How do you go from loving aviation to being in aviation? Kind of what was it for you that actually made you make that step? Yeah, well, look, I got into the model planes, like lots of, there's plenty of pilots who started out with the, you know, RC planes. And that was a good way to sort of, you know, fulfill that desire to some extent when, you, when you're younger. And then I was pretty lucky, I guess. My parents were, they could see that it wasn't just a fad. It wasn't just a, you know, thing I was into this week. It's something that was pretty deep. So they were very supportive and, and I had a job, you know, an after school job. 
And they sort of said, well, you know, we'll match you dollar for dollar towards your, you know, learning to fly. So that was a big step in the right direction for me to, you know, live out and you know, actually learn to fly. And it started in little, uh, like a, uh, what do you call it, a kit fox, you know, for the first few hours and then realized, well, we probably should jump into 172 and do this properly. And by the end of high school, I had my private, um, which was awesome. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a sports guy, which is very unmanly of me. You know, I don't, I'm not a real big, you know, football guy or rugby, you know, I just wasn't really into it. And on sports day, I said, mom, you know, I'm not going to school. I don't care about sports. So I went and rented the plane and flew over the school and took photos. And everyone was like, holy crap, that's, Lee's flying above us taking photos. What the hell? Um, you know, that was just where my head was at. And that's what I loved. So I was pretty lucky I could, I could do it. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, it, it's awesome to have a family that's so supportive of what you want to do and just, just like, all right, cool. Well, no one's been a pilot before, but, you know, go do it. We'll, we'll figure yeah, it out. What, and it's, it's equally bums me out when I meet, I just saw this the other day at a little fly and um, this kid was all over it, like just loved airplanes. And he's, you could just, mum was not interested. Like all she could sort of jokingly say is how dangerous they were and Nope, he's he's not going to have any of this. And I think, oh my goodness, I hope that little dude can um, <laughs> bypass mum when he gets older because, you know, what a shame, you know, he loves it so much. But to, to not have a supportive parent would be pretty tough. It would. And I can understand the, the confusion behind it and kind of the idea that aviation is not safe. But I'd almost say the best way for them to get over that is to, to get their mom or dad in a small plane and kind of see what it's all about and understand That's the right. safety behind it and how cool yeah. it is to go up in a small plane. Yeah, I agree. I can fully appreciate from the outside, it might look a little, you know, terrifying, particularly if you are at a small airport and you see some beat up, you know, Cessna sitting there with the paint falling off it. From the outside, you think, you know, that can't be safe. So, you know, from the outside, I do appreciate it can appear unsafe. And sometimes it is unsafe. So we can't lie about that. You know, like sometimes it's just a, yeah, we are flying a, uh, a mechanical machine and mechanical machines can break and, and issues yeah. can happen, but it's just one of, I mean, you can break your leg waking up and falling out of the bed. So you kind of, exactly. <laughs> everything can be dangerous in a way. Yeah, exactly. All right. So what was it from, I guess more RC planes? I saw, I was actually just watching uh, your latest video you came out with about the, the, um, the extra aircraft and yep. you competed in aerobatics and RC planes. Am I correct? Yeah, man. Yeah. Aerobatics, again, maybe it's just that little kid thing where you look up and there's a dude, you know, you see a plane tumbling through the air and then it stops tumbling and keeps flying correctly. And it's like, what, what just happened? How did he just do that? So from very early on, I was pretty curious and obsessed with aerobatics. It just seems so... How was that even possible? What did I just look at? Um, so again, with the model planes, that was a way to live out this fantasy was, was the model aeroplane aerobatics. And also, it was very in line, I think, with my personality. I'm, I mentioned the sports things. I'm not a great team player. I can get frustrated if I feel like, uh, you know, maybe someone's not pulling their weight. Whereas with aerobatics, it is such a, it's all up to you. Don't, don't worry about anyone else. This is up to you. 
And even with the model planes, it was the same thing. Who cares what any other pilot or competitor is doing? You focus on you and you do your thing. So even as a kid with the aerobatics, that was just me and my personality to a T where I could, I'd get angry at myself and, and all worked up and pissed off with myself because I wasn't good enough. But that was also the addiction was, was that personal challenge of how can I do this better? Um, and I, I, we did that for years. Dad and I would head off to these contests and, you know, it was, I look back too. What a great time with dad. He was a, he was a sport. He loved cricket. He was all about sports. He was a, really into cricket. So the fact that, you know, his son couldn't care less about the bloody, you know, sport and cricket and instead loved model aeroplanes. I think, I wonder what he thought, but we had so many great weekends away. So it was a, that was a pretty cool experience, really. Yeah, I bet, I bet he loved that. What is, this is kind of an over, just a generalization question about Australia as a whole. What does the general aviation community look like over there? Is it very similar to the United States? Is it very different? Is it kind of a a mixture between Europe and USA? Like, what does it actually look like? Is it very easy for someone like you as a young kid to kind of foster love for aviation and become a pilot? In general, I'd say it's very similar to the US. The the big difference, though, is... uh, the volume of general aviation, it's just a lot smaller. We just have a lot, you know, I mean, the whole country only has 26 or 7, whatever it is, million people. So one of my favorite things about GA in the US is just how many airports there are. Um, Where we are south of Atlanta, there's, I think, might be six or seven air parks alone just south of Atlanta. Um, In Australia, I think there's two, you know, in the whole country, you know, something like that, you know, it's, the idea of um, just popping off to the next little town and landing there and having a burger at their airport, that doesn't sort of quite exist like it does in the US. But as far as access to GA and cost, it is a little more expensive, I will say that. But but yes, very, very accessible. It's, it's very friendly. You know, if you, if you have an interest in it, you can readily pursue that desire. So what did that look like for you when you were in Australia? How did you go about getting your ratings or did you even get your ratings in Australia? Did you wait no, to come man. to the States? So, so I, um, by the end of high school, I had my private and everyone assumed every, you know, family and friend just said, look, Lee has loved airplanes since he could walk. You know, he's going to be a pilot. Um, at the end of year 12 there, I started hanging out with some of the you know, freshly uh, minted commercial pilots um, at the at the school I was at, and they would do little little charter jobs, or they'll do something simple in a you know some sort of a twin, and they'd say, "Oh, do you want to you know tag along, just sit in the right seat and come for a ride?" So we'd take off, climb to whatever, level off, read a magazine, and then land. And I went, "Oh, is this what this is? What this is? Do we take off and fly in a straight line and then land?" And I all of a sudden had this freak out that I'm not sure that this is exactly what I want to do. Because at the same time, I guess the photography, like a sort of a underlying creative thing was, was brewing in my brain that I hadn't fully acknowledged. Because at school, you know, it's all about maths and English and science and you've got to get your grades up so you can go to college. The idea of being a creative person is not always you know, discussed or encouraged. But the reality is that was brewing underneath. And 
when you're at this kind of fork in the road of do I go and spend a whole bunch of money to pursue flying or do I scratch this creative itch, that was the direction I went. I, I, as much as I love flying, I didn't want it to become a job where I stopped loving it and it, and it just became a job. Um, it seemed, in my mind, it seemed too special to, to ruin. So I ended up convincing a radio station that I should be allowed to work for them. And somehow they <laughs> let me in the door. That's awesome. I mean, that's a very real thing. Some people, uh, the standard aviation job of being a pilot, a commercial pilot, flying for an airline, whatever it may be, it could be boring. You know, I have some flights are six and a half hours. Uh, and I mean, you just kind of sit there for six and a half hours and make sure nothing goes wrong or you fix problems that comes up, but it can be pretty boring. And I could see that. And there's a lot of people I fly with that kind of lose the love of aviation. And to understand that at a young age is kind of like you really understood the magic of flying and you wanted to keep it magical. Uh, like we said, that could be sounding really corny right now, but it's just kind of the only way to explain it. Uh, and to understand that at a young age and to kind of pivot and go somewhere else is pretty commendable. So that's awesome. And, and I recognize that it does sound a little corny to some extent, but I mean, one thing I do remember clearly is um, I had a real desire to fly to do ag work because I just so admired the the fact that you had to really fly the plane. Um, there was no no auto anything. You're going to go over the fence, under the power line, and pull up before you hit the tree. And if you're a little bit off, it's going to end really badly for you. So I just thought that's the sort of flying I I was obsessed with it. I'm really interested in it. And everybody talked me out of it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you, 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 you go, and, go find the oldest ag pilot you can find. And it's like, oh, yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, you know, so I sort of got, you know, while I'm being talked out of that at the same time, you know, the creative thing was happening. So, so it, it all just played out accordingly. So you go the creative route. How long until you start flying again or even uh, pursue flying? I, I would fly maybe once a month um, for the next few years. And like lots of private pilots, you know, it is expensive. And, uh, you know, after I started at the radio station and I was having a bunch of fun there and that was really good. Then the camera, you know, this interest in being a cameraman really took over. Um, and I'd been goofing with cameras since I was in, you know, high school, you know, buddies and even younger, actually, we had cameras at home. You know, so I, I, that was always there. Now, I don't know if you have any idea what cameras are worth, but I mean, the first one I bought, the, the camera body was 60 grand, the lens was 25, and the tripod, you know, that was 10, and that didn't include lights and a van. So it's a big ton of money. So once I started down that route, the flying, you know, it took a backseat. And, I, and for, for many years there in my 20s, I, I didn't fly at all. You know, really, I think it was 30, I think I was probably early 30s, 31, when I was living in Sydney that I, um, you know, had to scratch the itch again, I guess, you know, it was sort of the desire kicked in pretty hard. And, and also too, I guess I built my business to a point where, I could afford to spend some money. Um, you know, there was a there was an arrow that I would jump in and fly all the time out of Bankstown um, in Sydney. So, so there was a long time, and and I and you see that with private pilots a lot. I think where there's they get their license and they fly for a little bit, and then life gets in the way and, and it takes a backseat. 
Do you wish, looking back, that you would have been more proactive with flying in those younger ages and uh, maybe uh, <laughs> spent more money on flying? Or do you think it was uh, the right thing to do to kind of prioritize your money and your spending? Look, it probably was... The, you sound like a parent there. It probably was the right thing to do because I was able to set myself up and, and you know, it probably was the right thing to do. You know, fast forward now and this obsession with competition aerobatics, I so wish I could have had more time to pursue it. I mean, I'm, I'm 40, 42, 41, 42. Um, so I recognize I still have plenty of years of flying ahead of me, but it just would have been so awesome to think, man, if I was, you know, 30 and pursuing this, it, it, it would have been great. But hey, you know what? It all, everything happens for a reason. So what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So talk about that. So I guess we'll kind of fill in a little bit more blanks. You live in Atlanta now, or south of Atlanta, I would say, in an yep. air park. Yep. Um, yep. How did you get there? What, what was your process of moving from Australia? Why did you move here? Was it for flying? Was it for uh, no, Hollywood man, stuff? Was, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, as a cameraman, I had I've done pretty well in Australia, sort of climbed the ranks and was was working on some of the bigger shows. It's like news. News is what I work in. So shows like 60 Minutes or... Um, you know, things like that. Uh, so I was working on the bigger shows in Australia and traveling a lot, and that was great fun. And of course, LA is the hub of the universe when it comes to film and television. You know, if you can, if you can be successful there, then you probably know what you're doing. So, you know, that was the catalyst. Like, all right, let's see if I can mix it with the big kids in, in the US. So in 2012, moved to LA and sort of chipped away at it and generally speaking it went it went pretty well you know in a short amount of time I was working on the shows that I was hoping to work on and and traveling extensively and it was that was really cool um at some point in there again you know you you move countries it's a big financial burden so the flying took another back seat but after a year or two of getting set up in the US and things going well I started flying again in the US uh, out of Van Nuys, which was just the coolest in the world. Because have you seen that that movie? It's it's older now, One Six Right. There was a really fantastic, you know, documentary, I suppose, about Van Nuys Airport. So to be actually flying out of it, I was like completely pinching myself. You know, it was the it was the coolest. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. Uh, I, I land there all the time. I fly for a company that has a big presence there. Uh, and yeah, I land there all the time. So the, you've got to watch it. it one six right. It's really beautiful, beautifully shot, lovely story. Um, I, you know, I, I'm flying there. Uh, this childhood interest in aerobatics is sort of rolling around in the back of my head, and you know, somehow managed to convince my poor suffering wife that you know, hey, we should get a decathlon, honey. It's, this is going to be fantastic. Trust me, babe. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and she, and, you know, she rolls her eyes and says, yes, fine, good. So we do that. Um, I started, you know, learning about the aerobatics and then start to compete a little bit in just the very low levels, you know, the very entry-level categories in, in the competition and then realize, oh, my God, I love this. This is the coolest thing in the world. And realized I would like to step into another aircraft just as you grow, you know, you thought, okay, Kristen Eagle, that's going to be a nice step up. I flew to Atlanta where there was one for sale that was what I was interested in. 
and this is such a, um, you know, back in the day when you had paper maps and you traveled, you would have to sort of almost research where you were going. Whereas in this modern era with our phones, you book a flight, you go to the airport, you sit down, you get off, you put the address in your GPS and you follow the GPS and you arrive at your destination. What I hadn't, what I didn't realize is I was driving to an air park and I had never seen an air park before. I'd seen them on TV living in Australia. You'd see like these magical places in America where people would, you know, live with their planes in their backyard and, and they'd have a plane in their driveway. And it seems so just unobtainable, you know, from, from my point of view. So I follow my GPS after landing in Atlanta to go see this eagle and I drive into the neighborhood and that driveway has a plane in the front and that driveway has a plane in the front. And I'm like, where the hell am I? This is, <laughs> this is unreal. So we look at the plane, the eagle's awesome. And my wife rings me and she's like, oh, how's the plane, babe? And I'm like, honey, forget the plane. This is the coolest neighborhood in the world. And you know, I'm sending her photos. And two weeks later, she came down and looked at the neighborhood as well and agreed that, oh my God, this is beautiful. And we did the deal on the plane. We walked around knocking on doors, found a house that some guy had sort of tried to sell, but didn't sell it. And he said, yep, well, if you want to buy it, this is how much it is. And we looked at each other and said, okay, we'll take it. And we, we, we never even flew the plane back to California. We pushed it down the runway to a house and, and, and then consequently packed up in LA and moved to Atlanta. That's insane. <laughs> wow. How I convinced my wife to do that. Like to me, that's the ultimate man move ever. Like how on earth did I convince my poor wife, Camilla, to, you know, that we, not only should we go buy a plane, but we're going to move the family to the plane instead of flying at home. Oh, I still chuckle about it. Yeah, you got a good one, man. That's incredible. <laughs> She's the greatest. I'm guessing but the Atlanta the, summers are probably more similar to what you had in Australia. Um, Humid-wise, maybe? Or is it dry? Yeah, humidity, humidity is identical. It feels just like Queensland where I grew up. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, look, I really enjoy the, it, it, you know, I love flying around California, it, the, the coastline, the mountains. It was really beautiful. But it's equally beautiful flying around down there and, and Mallard's Landing where we live is so pretty. Um, and, and that landing in your backyard and taxiing up, you know, literally taxiing to your house is just so fun. So, you know, it's not lost on us how lucky we are. It's, it's very cool. What was that move like for you professionally? Obviously, like you said, Hollywood, LA, it's the Mecca. That's where you need to be to kind of have a career in uh, filmmaking or news or whatever it is. I, I know Atlanta makes a lot of movies and it's a big scene out there. Uh, were you able to get, did you kind of give that up? Did you kind of just freelance? What was your plan that, professionally when dude, you that, was up and so moving two weeks? That's <laughs> really funny you asked that because psychologically, I was actually pretty worried because, you know, for many years, I had worked towards being in LA, the hub of the world, and now I'm going to go and live in Atlanta. Like, it was messing with my head a little bit. Like, am I doing the right thing? Like, yeah, it's cool, airplane, backyard, but uh, is this the right thing? Um, the short answer is yes. It all worked out great. Um, Mallard's Landing is 
maybe 35 minutes from Hartsfield Airport. So in 30 minutes, I'm at the airport and I'm traveling to wherever the heck I need to go for the job. And, and at the same time, I keep a van in LA full of equipment and I have my one in Atlanta full of equipment. So I can bounce between the two cities pretty frequently. So I still had a presence in LA so I could, you know, mentally, it, it kept me in the right headspace, but um, I could straddle the two, you know, I sort of straddled the whole country really. So it, it, it's, it's very funny you ask that because that was a big deal when it happened. I bet. Yeah. I mean, you, you put your whole heart and soul into making a name for yourself in the industry and just to, in two weeks, you're like, all right, bye. <laughs> you know, you the, leave the, the Mecca. It's got to be tough. What, what, what did happen that I hadn't planned for um, if you do like a 12 hour, you know, drive or a 12 hour radius around Atlanta, it just puts you in so many places. And because I work on, I mean, my bread and butter sounds a little morbid is crime TV shows, true crime shows. Um, and <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, the, there's just, there seems to be a lot of episodes we do that, um, you know, like I say, a 12 hour radius around Atlanta puts me in a lot of towns where these stories happen. So while I hadn't planned that, it did work out pretty well. Yeah. And then Wilmington's not too far. And Wilmington's a huge filming area too over in North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing how much that's, you know, the whole South has really blown up, you know, whatever the, I don't understand the tax incentives they've put in and there's all kinds of stuff, but yes, it, it, it has blown up. So it's, it's worked out really nice. And I just watched Black Widow and I feel like every Marvel movie is like made in Atlanta or has something on it over there too. So it worked out pretty well. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Talk a little bit about um, coming up in two different industries. So obviously you had to make a name for yourself in film in Australia. You remade yourself in LA and you had to remake yourself again in Atlanta. But now you're also coming up in the aviation world. Did, is there a lot of similarities between the two and making a name for yourself and how you go about kind of building your time and uh, creating uh, a uh, platform or is it completely different? You're hilarious. Making a name for yourself. I, I mean, I, I share nonsense on, uh, on Instagram. Um, but look, I, I don't know if I have a, a, an amazing, beautiful answer. It, Filming and camera work, that's what I do. That's my job. I enjoy it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm lucky I'm sort of, you know, pretty good at it, sort of. Um, so that's all great. At the same time, I love aviation and I really enjoy sharing it. And I, and I probably, and I'm thinking back to when I was little, you know, when you'd meet someone at the airport who was willing to, you know, come over, you can go over to their hangar or over to their plane and look at it. It was such a massive deal. And now that's, that's 30 years ago. That's pre-internet. That's pre-social media. We have this whole new world now at our fingertips in our back pocket. Who am I not to share it? You know what I mean? Like I enjoy taking photos. I enjoy videoing things. Um, we have this fun lifestyle where our house is, which is unique and unusual. I sort of almost... You know, I almost feel like it's my job to share it, you know, because there's going to be other people out there, you know, younger people who just look at it and go, whoa, man, that's what I want to do when I get older. So I really, I really quite enjoy it. You know, it's, it's fun. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a blast. And and you have uh, something going for you where you know how to make videos. You know where to put the plane, how to position stuff. And you kind of have a leg up on people in that aspect if you're really good because everyone can build their own brand. And having the ability to be talented in that can really help you out and uh, can can bring a lot of eyes and attention. Yeah. And if that, yeah, that's right. And if that, you know, I enjoy goofing around when younger younger people that, you know, don't maybe have direct access to aviation. You know, they get a kick out of it. And like, I'm, I'm shocked for all the faults of social media. Don't worry, I recognize it. You know, it's, uh, it has its issues, but it's equally brilliant that you can connect so many people um, and share so much and, and meet so many people. Like, I, I'm shocked at how many people I've met and sort of got to know without having met them in, in the flesh. You know, like we sort of have, you have a relationship and then one day when you do actually meet them, um, it's almost like you're just picking up a conversation from where you left off on on your phone. So the fact that I can photograph things and video them and share them and then you meet someone and then they know that person and before you know it, there's this whole neat little network all because I was, you know, sitting in the backyard taking photos. Like, joy to the world. It seems fun to me. No, it's a blast. And so let's kind of talk about having a Christian Eagle. You flew, no, a Christian Eagle, and then you flew, you got that. What did you buy in Atlanta? What brought you there? What plane was it? Yeah, yep, that's right. That was the Christian Eagle, which we bought in Atlanta. Yep, which was a blast. So much fun, super fun. So you moved um, your whole family over there, got a Christian yeah. Eagle, bought a new plane, God. have a hangar. What was kind of the next step? You're fully immersed in aviation. You can't look back now. Um, or are you going full, full, full go on aerobatics or are you just trying to have fun and fly? Well, so we, the Eagle was the catalyst for the move. Um, now in Van Nuys, we had access to a couple of different 182s through a little flying club out there. So now we didn't have a family plane. And um, so I'm saying to Camilla, look, you know, honey, uh, we probably should have a family plane, you know, like, I mean, we've got a runway in the backyard, babe, you know, it sort of seems crazy, and we, you know, and you, you could imagine her face, like she's rolling her eyes. All oh, right, right, right. Do we need a second one, do we? You know, Come on, honey. Of course we do. So that's when we got the 195, the Cessna 195, which uh, I just can't tell you how much I love that plane. It's so beautiful. I'm such a sucker for the vintage vibe. As much as I appreciate brand new uh, super fancy pants uh, aircraft and the latest and greatest avionics. Just old school radial tail dragger, five seater polished aluminum. I don't know. That's that's to me just as cool as it gets. So um, yet another you know piece of piece of mastery BS from me. But I've yet again convinced Camilla to that we should get another plane. So we have the Eagle and the 195. And that was such a lovely mix. The kids can hop in. We can go for a little afternoon fly somewhere or, or pop over. You know, we always go to Peach State Airport, which is down our way. Uh, they've got a lovely little cafe right on the field so you can stop in there, have food. It, it really is a perfect mix. It was the perfect mix. It was a lot of fun. And at the same time, I'm now able to pursue this desire for the aerobatic contests um, and try and, you know, try and work that out. So a lot of people right now are listening, uh, whether it's guys or girls with a partner who isn't a pilot, 
or into aviation and are probably seeing you as a hero right now. You got your wife and family to move from LA to a air park. Uh, you convinced her to buy one plane and then another airplane. And I'm sure it's the first of many, but what is, how do you go? Was she, I guess the better question is, was she all on board for this? Did this take convincing? How did you get your wife and your family kind of onto the aviation train? Because like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of hesitancy between uh, loved ones about aviation and getting into it. What was your, your what, did, what was your tools? How did you go about it? Was she just like, whatever, like you're going to do it anyway, so I'm just going to tag along or how did this go? No, nah, no. Nah. She was totally on board, very supportive. She experienced it. Um, when when Camilla, Camilla was living in Vancouver, when I met her, um, I went to... I was in Vancouver to film the Winter Olympics and she's, she's an Australian, so she was living in Vancouver. Um, we, she came down to do a little interview and, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, this lady's pretty good looking. So, you know, after we finished the interview, you know, just sort of slowly chip away at things and, and we struck up a friendship and, of course, a little, you know, 12 months later, she moved from Vancouver back to Sydney to be with me. And at that time, you know, I was flying the, the Arrow and I, you know, she didn't really have any exposure to little aircraft. So to hop in this plane, the two of us flying down the beaches of Sydney, she just thought, what the heck? That was amazing. And, and it, we're not on a big jet mashed in with a whole bunch of other people. It was her and I. It was just a really great experience. And she could really clearly see how special it is. You know, if that, I mean, it sounds a bit corny, but it was, it was pretty special. Um, so from early on in our relationship, she knew what it meant to me and she also could see the enjoyment in it. So, you know, fast forwarding to the US, the idea that we could, you know, we, we have this runway in our backyard. It would make sense that we can enjoy this as a family. So she was totally on board. Um, we're very, we're pretty conservative with our you know, investments and, and, and what we spend on. So we didn't just race out and buy whatever we could. We, we certainly, you know, made sure we made the best choices we could and, you know, so that hopefully one day when you do need to sell the aircraft, you, you've made a smart choice and, and, you know, get your money back to, to, to some extent. But she was totally on board and, and excited to, to have fun in this lifestyle. And what, what made it great for me is... Um, our kids love it. Olive, when I had the decathlon, was I think three. She sits in the back and flies it like a champ. Like she's, you know, she loved it. Totally loved it. So the idea that the whole family could enjoy it, you know, was very appealing. Retirement may be the biggest investment you'll ever make. So choosing the right financial partner is a huge decision. And at RAA, they get it. You worked hard flying the line to get where you are today, from years flying in the military to a career in commercial aviation with all its ups and downs. For nearly 30 years, RAA has helped pilots just like you achieve their financial goals, and they can help you too. Meet with an RAA financial advisor specializing in your airline for a free consultation at raa.com backslash pilot to pilot. That's pilot to pilot. So talk about the next steps. What uh, obviously you have now an extra or you were the video I saw you, you had a project and then you had kind of surprise of who a previous owner was. Were you always looking for an extra? Was that always a goal or you just one day on barnstormers, just like looking at airplanes, just like always do. And then you're like, it's too good to pass up. Look, I am such a, I'll, I'll spruik to anybody about aerobatics. It is just such a, 
it, it makes you a much, much better pilot just by the nature of what you're trying to achieve with aerobatics. But for me, you know, it had really bit pretty deep, you know, like I was really, really, really interested in it. And I could slowly see myself getting better. Like the, the crazy mystery of it all was slowly, you know, going away and becoming more clear. So as I'm progressing, I realized, you know, hey, I, I want to see where I can go. And, and I don't know where that is. It might be last, but at the very least, I, I'm going to try. And that, mean, and that meant upgrading from the Eagle, you know. So I was for a year or two just keeping my eyes open. I wasn't sure exactly what the direction was, but it was, you know, it was going to be a monoplane. That's just the nature of the competitions. You're, you're probably going to need a monoplane to be competitive. And that probably means an extra. And uh, Saturday morning, you know, barnstormers for sale, extra 300, disassembled, ready for paint. Oh, that sounds pretty good. So I text the guy and I said, look, can I give you, you know, whatever it was, $1,000 deposit or something just to, just to put me at the front of the line. And again, you know, it's like my poor wife, seriously. I'm convincing her that, hey, babe, you know, this is probably going to be a good idea. I mean, look, financially, this is a really good idea, honey. You know, trying to charm her. She agrees. Go and look at it. Um, it was, I, 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 I can say now that I underestimated what was involved. It's, you know, the ad says pulled apart, ready for paint. That might have been a bit of a, you know, might have been a bit of a stretch. But anyway, um, we look it over. I'm lucky to have really uh, smart neighbors, mechanics who, who know extras well and have, and have worked with them a lot. Um, I'm bouncing all of this information off them and they sort of say, look, man, everything's there. Yep, it's going to be a lot of work, but it's all good. If you want to do it, do it. As I'm scratching through the notes, you know, I'm looking at the registration, 328 Papa Whiskey. Oh, that's, the, that's the end number. Well, you know, I'm sort of thinking about that. What's, why is that number familiar? I realize as a kid, me sitting in my, you know, bedroom playing Flight Simulator 95 or 98, whatever it was, like a, like a maniac living in my bedroom on this simulator, flying the extra, Paddy Wagstaff's extra on the flight simulator, the penny drops, three to eight pup of whiskey. That's the one from the flight simulator. This is Paddy Wagstaff's BF Goodridge air show plane from the 90s. I'm like, holy shit, I know this plane. Like this was, you know, this was for an aeroplane nerd and, and I completely understand from the outside, they're like, yeah, whatever, man, cool. So it's an aeroplane. But if you're a nerd, this was a big deal for me. I was like, I love this plane when I was, you know, a kid. And here it is sitting in front of me in pieces. My wife has said you can get it. My neighbors who mechanics are like, yeah, man, just do it. I mean, all right, shake hands. There's the money. I guess we're buying a bunch of airplane parts. And, you know, like I say, I underestimated what was involved, but fast forward through COVID and, and that's what I spent 2020 doing was, was getting this thing back together. 
Was it more than you ever imagined? I kind of hinted, it kind of hints at the fact when you said it was ready for paint and that really wasn't true. <laughs> Is this more of an undertaking than you could have ever imagined? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the easiest way. If, yes. if, if you ever see me say, oh, dude, there's a project for sale, I give you full permission to punch me in the face and say, hey, 2020, man, remember that extra? And I'll say, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not buy a project. I'll just um, do that. I'm going to tell your wife that she can punch you in the face if you ever say that again. <laughs> completely, complete green light. Yeah. Smack me around. <laughs> Look, man, it's just because I'm inexperienced with it. Like I've never, I'm not a mechanic. I relied on the help of so many people. I've never painted an airplane before. I had no, I, I completely underestimated how much sanding is involved to paint a freaking plane. And like, you know, you go through all this prep work to sort of get it to a point where we can put primer on it. Then you put a bunch of primer on it. You sand that. You put a bit more on, sand that. Now it's ready for some paint. We put some paint on. Oh, we've got to sand out a few little issues there. Like it just keeps on going. Like every single part, there's 10 steps. Um, and of course, we painted it with, you know, it's, the, it's got the clear coat on it. So when you run your fingers over the paint lines, I mean, it's like art. You don't feel a single line. It's it's beautiful, but that's because I spent an outrageous amount of time, you know, sanding and polishing and <laughs> all the torture. And and you know, you'd be halfway through it, and you'd be there'd be a you know nuts and bolts missing here and there, or trying to find through a box of pieces where should this thing be? And it's just a lot of work, an enormous amount of work. Um, but you've seen the photos. It, it, it's, it turned out unreal. It is a total weapon to fly. So, you know what? I guess it was worth the torture. I'm guessing it's, uh, like building something from Ikea. All of a sudden you put it together and you have like three screws left and you're like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Where are you supposed yeah. to go? <laughs> uh -oh. a, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Thankfully there was no screws left over, That's but good. it was more, it was more just identifying you know, it, it was a box of parts. So, you know, it was just a lot of stuff. But, you know, it was a I mean, look, I learned. Okay, so here, here's one thing. As, as much torture as it was, what I'm really thankful for is I know every nut and bolt in that damn airplane. So I remember when, when you were learning, you know, you do a pre-flight on the plane. And then you walk around, you wiggle stuff and you tap something and you go, oh, yeah, cool. Wings are on. Beauty. Pre-flight. Whereas now I'm looking at how many threads are sticking out on the aileron bolts. I, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at things I never, ever, ever looked at before because I'm the one who put it all together and I know how it should be. So I feel very secure in the aircraft because, you know, I know exactly how it's put together. Um, that was something I wasn't prepared for and I'm quite thankful for. As Patty Wagstaff herself reached out to try to buy the airplane back for me, she's like, you know, now that it's backed up and going, I kind of like that plane. Can I have that back? She, she is so nice. I reached out to her. I felt like a bit of a fanboy. So I'm like, oh, <clears throat> uh, hi, Patty. Uh, my name's Lee. And, and she was she was really nice. She was lovely. She was very, you know, she congratulated me on, on getting it. And because um, it hadn't flown for 20 years, man. It had been tucked. She sold it in, I don't know, 2000, something like that, to a guy in Denver. And on one of his early flights, he didn't have the canopy latched correctly. So the canopy came off the aircraft 
It didn't hit him, didn't hit the airplane. Uh, you know, he was able to land and, and I guess he probably got a bit of a fright and and sort of said, okay, well, now's a good time to, why don't we pull the plane apart and fix up anything that we need to and and that was as far as that project got. So that was 20 years ago and, and then consequently had moved moved around a few different owners and, and so on. But, you know, it hadn't flown for 20 years. So I think, you know, Patty was... Um, very lovely when I told her that, you know, I bought this damn project and I was making a little video about it. And she sent me all kinds of photos. She sent me a lot of photos, actually, um, from, from when she was flying, you know, all these cool formation photos with, you know, F-14s and over the Statue of Liberty. And um, yeah, that was, I was, that was very nice of her to do that. Do you feel any pressure performing with this airplane knowing who flew it before? <laughs> I was worried I might, but no, I don't. I, I was prepared for people to sort of, uh, be it jokingly or not, sort of mock me a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, everyone's like all jacked up and excited for me. And um, and I will tell anybody who's listening that I'm the most average aerobatic pilot in the world. But, but um, you know, the desire is strong. We'll put it that way. So, So I'm not... I'm not a big tough guy swanning out there telling you how I'm going to crush it. Not at all. Um, so, so no, that hasn't been an issue. I was hoping the DNA of Paddy might have infused in me a little bit more than it perhaps has, but um, no, I mean it's it's definitely. I do get a massive kick out of it that I am flying that plane that I see in all those cool photos. It's like there she is. She's still tucked away in there. Different paint job. Different paint job, but but. You know, it's the same plane. So talk a little bit about uh, coming up into aerobatics. Uh, I'm guessing just like aviation, it's a very welcoming community. It just seems like something that is hard to get into, but I'm guessing it's a lot easier than you'd imagine. And it's just a matter of fact of going after it. Has that been the what it's been like for you? Generally, yeah, you're right. It is super welcoming. It, very, very good uh, group of people. The worst part, and you hit the nail on the head, is just getting into it. Getting started is just a little frustrating. I wish there was perhaps a little... Uh, more streamlined or uniformed approach to getting people involved. That, that's a bit frustrating, but um, if you can just find a way to get going. So for me, it was buying the decathlon and that's how most people do it is they have to end up buying a plane. Um, you can go to a flying school and, you know, do an upset recovery course so you can at least experience aerobatics to make sure you enjoy it. But beyond that, as far as competing, you generally speaking, you have to go and buy your own plane, which, you know, I wish there was a different option. But anyway, um, for me, well, again, you said it, it's a very welcoming crowd. And one of my, I have a million favorite things. I could talk all day about aerobatics and competitions, but um, even though we're competing against each other, everybody will help you to be better. So even one of your competitors will point out, you know, a little error or something you could do a little bit better. And, and that's, you know, generally in a competitive environment, that's unusual. You know, you, you would not be trying to help your competitor, but, but aerobatics for whatever reason just isn't like that. Everyone's trying to work at how can we, how can we push ourselves to be better? Um, and, the, and the, another thing I really love about aerobatics is the access to the knowledge. Um, if you love golf, 
you are never going to bump into Tiger Woods or whoever, you know, I'm not a golfer, whoever the top golfer is at the moment, and he's probably not going to spend time with you to make you better. Whereas in aerobatics, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with the best guys in the country or, or women, and, and they'll take time to help you. And it's just so rare that you can have that access to, to um, such brilliant, you know, brilliant pilots. Yeah, that's very rare in competitions. I played sports my whole life, played college football. Uh, it's very rare. You know, you don't really want to help your opponent too much. You want to be the best. And uh, it's very kind of selfish and kind of egotistic. Uh, but it's really cool that the community is kind of like that. You know, you could be flying right next to someone and Sean Tucker could be giving you tips when you land. It's like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you don't want to, I mean, I still want to crush them. Right, <laughs> I yeah. Still, I still want to beat you, smash you and scores. But I'm equally happy when I see you had a great flight. It's like, dude, epic. You know, like I saw you, whatever it was, I saw that thing, it was unreal. So it's a cool environment from that point of view. It kind of seems like uh, this is, I don't really know much about this community either, but watching it in the Olympics kind of seems like skateboarding a little bit. Like everyone's jazzed up to see someone land a 1080 or when Tony Hawk does that, but like you always want to one-up each other, but you're always there to help each other and work through tricks and work through flights. Yeah, I agree. I, know, I haven't thought of it like that, but I think you're right. It, it, it's completely right, actually. It, 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 totally the same. Everyone's pumped up for each other. So what, is, uh, what has it been like for you? How, how have you done? Have you been able to be competitive? I don't even really know what competitive means in aerobatics, but have you, have you been killing the competition? Have, has it been kind of an eye-opening experience and like, dang, I need to work on this a lot? Or has it been like, oh, this yeah, this is fun? Uh, look, so... That's a, that is a real frustration with aerobatics. It has terrible exposure. Competition aerobatics has really crummy exposure within the aviation community. Um, that's a whole other subject, which you won't go down. But, but the general way it works, there's, there's five different categories, you know, all based on skill level. And, and you start at the bottom where it's, you know, there's simple basic maneuvers, you know, a loop, you know, a hammerhead, um, a roll. One, one of the maneuvers is a turn. A 180 degree turn, you know, like they're very simple, but they're just teaching you those. It's all about precision. That's all it is. Um, th- th- one of the analogies I- I've used with other people is you think back to when you started doing in your training, you do steep turns. And when you start out, you know, you gain a couple hundred feet or you lose a few hundred feet, you know, you sort of do this big wonky, you know, turn. And then one day you roll in. You do a perfect turn. You don't gain or lose a single foot. You come back around, you hit your own wake and you go bump and you level the wings and you're like, holy crap, I just did it. And it was perfect. That is the simplest form of why competition aerobatics gets addictive because you you start off doing, you know, you do a loop, like you practice a loop and then you go to a contest and you get a five for it. And you go five, I just, I did a loop. What was wrong? And, And they say, well, man, you know, you pinched this part here. And then you were all stretched out over the top. You did a big egg and then you pulled tight and you, you know, your loop ended higher than it started. And you sort of go, what? How is that possible? And then slowly you start chipping away at it and, you know, deciphering the when I should be pulling and when I should be releasing a little bit and float it here. And then you look down, you get a 10 for it. You're like, God damn it. Yeah, got a 10. I did it. I, I, I conquered it. Um, so, so. You start in primary, I did a few in primary and that was, that was fun. Then when I, I think maybe I did one sportsman, which is the next category up maybe in, in California and then in moving to Georgia, you know, I think I did two years in sportsman 
and and that all went really well. And I was pretty lucky, got an award there one year. Um, it's called the L. Paul Susie Award. And I think, uh, what is it? It's the highest scoring competitor. It, it, it's, it typically goes to a lower category, just mathematically the way it works out. It's more likely to go to a, a lower category because as you progress through the ranks, like the, the, the guys that fly advanced and certainly unlimited, the maneuvers are so complicated. There are so many elements that it becomes very hard to get nines and tens. Even if you, even if you fly it really well, just a few little errors here means, you know, seven and eights are probably what's going to be happening. So just mathematically, you, you're more likely to get nines and tens in the lower categories because the maneuvers are more simple. What's the future for you with uh, aerobatics? Is this? Do you want this to be your whole life? Do you want this to take over everything? Do you want to make money off this? Do you want to like be a competition? Do you want to perform at air shows? Kind of like what's the the end goal? What's what is no, this for you? No air shows, mate. It's all the competition stuff for me, um, and that's I, I am so impressed with air show people. But it's just not for me. I really love this uh, pursuing the precision of the competition stuff. Um, that's that's my desire, and the category I would love to be competitive in is advanced. Unlimited is the top category, and I just think the amount of practice required to be competitive there, um, you know, it's very time consuming. If, if I found myself to be a competitive advanced pilot, uh, and by competitive I mean you know you, you can sometimes win and sometimes you don't, but you're right up there, then I think that'd be just fantastic you know that'd be a real achievement um to, to get that far that's awesome it's really cool when, to see you kind of have a goal and kind of just I, i'm kind of getting this whole love of aviation and you want to keep it strictly for the love of aviation you know you're, you're doing this for fun you don't ever want it to seem like it's a job you want to keep the coolness the freshness the excitement there and i i, I truly think aerobatics is one of the best ways to do it i personally never flown aerobatics uh, but it just seems like uh, it, it's a great community where a bunch of uh, awesome people and kind of thrill seekers, maybe crazy people, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll leave my judgments for myself right now until I get more into the community, but they seem a little crazy, but that's good. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think if you could do it, if you came for a fly, you, you'd get it. It would make sense. You'd be like, uh, and I compare it even when you're learning like landings, you know, like the first time when you start learning, you can't, you don't even, can't even hit the runway, you know? And then all of a sudden you go, oh, now I can hit the runway, but it's who knows where on the runway. And then there's a point where you go, I can touch down on the numbers every time. That, that, that's what aerobatics is. You know, it goes from something that is totally, it just seems impossible to now I can hit it every time. Um, that, that's all it is. And just the fact that we're upside down or, you know, in a funny attitude is why people go, oh, you guys are bonkers. That's it, just the illusion. On, on the inside, you, you're just trying to do what you did when you started flying. It, you're just pushing it to a, a different level. All right, we'll I have some rapid fire questions here for you. These are just uh, very straightforward aviation themed questions, and you answer them as quick and as fast as possible. The first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? I'm nervous. You I can't be. guarantee good answers. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> what is your overall favorite airplane ever made? I so love our 195. I mean, I'm biased, but but the vintage category. So I'm just going to say our, our beautiful 195. What about an airliner if you had to choose one? Oh, man. I'm, 
You know what I wish I could have seen fly was the Concorde. That would have been pretty remarkable to see that. What about corporate jet? I'm bad with corporate jets, man. <laughs> I feel really bad. I don't. I, I, I'm at Van Nuys. That they'd name a type. You're behind this type, and I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah, know, what does man. that mean? Is I don't know. White yeah. jet, You're cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm behind the white jet. You got yeah, it. Bro. Is that a glider? Like, yeah, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel bad. All right, fair enough. It's all good. So we'll just say uh, the Citation Latitude because that's what I fly. So that's now your favorite corporate jet. Whenever anyone asks you, you say Citation I'm Latitude. Writing that down. Yeah, Latitude. Got it. Or you can it. call it Laddie. You know, that's what the cool kids call it, Laddie. So uh, is, is that what that is? That's is that Laddie, what that man. Is? Yeah. That's no what the way. coffee's named I didn't after. Know that. Laddie's blend. Yeah. Damn. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, moving That's on. Funny. Uh, what's the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? And you have to answer one. You can't take the cop out and say all airplanes are beautiful. I need to Google it, man. Okay, I'm gonna need a second here. Yeah, I know for it. what it is, and I feel bad saying it. <laughs> you can't feel bad. Okay. Sometimes planting is ugly. Hang on. Man. Oh, now I've heard someone. Did Julia say the shorts? I think so, yes. Okay, so I'm trying to find the plane. plane. What I here's what I googled: square looking plane, <laughs> and and it's not the shorts. It's a you know what I don't know what it's called. It's a little. I think it's an experimental aircraft, and it has great performance. Apparently, it's super quick. Uh, you know, it, on paper, it's a it's all the numbers add up, but it looks like someone built a little box. And chuck some wings on it. And every time I see it, I'm like, God <laughs> damn, that's an ugly little airplane. And I'm, now, I'm, now I'm glad I can't name it because I'm just going to upset somebody. Yeah, that's fun though. Uh, moving on. What is something you wish you knew before you became a pilot? I don't even know if I have an answer for that. <laughs> something. We can come back to it if you can think of something. Something. People usually say how expensive it is. I mean, sure, it's expensive, but I feel like I knew that, <laughs> I knew that from the outset. There's no mystery there. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I wish I had known how welcoming the community was. Well, that's a good one. I like it. Because I remember being little and standing at the fence and, and watching things. I, if I had known more, I would have gone over and said, hello, I'm Lee, and I love Fly, I love, love planes, love flying. And that would have opened so many doors. Yeah. But, so that's it's all you got to do. <laughs> should have done differently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, who's one person in the industry you'd like to meet most? It could be alive or they could have passed on. Hmm. Uh, it would have been lots of people probably have said someone like Bob Hoover. That I remember he came to Australia when I was a teenager and watching the footage on TV of him doing his routine, the engine out routine and, and so on, you know, that was remarkable. So that certainly would have been an interesting uh, gentleman to meet. Um, I'm, I always enjoy meeting experienced aerobatic guys because they just, there is so much knowledge in their head that, and, and usually they're willing to share it. So I, I always get a kick out of meeting any of the, even if they're not household names, but, but experienced guys, I, I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. What's your favorite thing about aviation? Uh, well, it'll sound a little corny. It will sound very corny, but it, it still seems a little bit magic. Like we, we get it. They're engineers. They know how wings work. We, we, we know how it all works. But 
somehow we hop inside these things and we still get to go and go and fly. And, and, and I recognize that's a little bit ridiculous, but it still seems just a little bit magic. What's your favorite airport you've ever landed at? Uh, it was a, I thoroughly enjoyed Van Nuys in California, but I get a kick every day landing in my backyard. Favorite aviation movie? Jeez, I watched about a million times over Memphis Bell and then also Top Gun. So, I mean, geez, I could recite them almost off by heart. <laughs> That'll be the next episode. <laughs> yeah, you and I can just do it. Yeah. Just- what, what's your favorite aviation book? Don't know if I have one. To be honest, there's a few aerobatic books uh, that I read, but no, I don't know if I have a perfect answer. Favorite airport food. So this is what we can do two parts. One is uh, FBOs. So you got an FBO, you got a crew car, what kind of food are you always trying to go get? Man, I could just live on burgers and pizzas, really. Yeah, same. It's, it's bad. pretty unhealthy, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Not great, uh, but yeah. I just look at a menu, if there's a burger on it, boom. Yeah. I'll just take the burger, thanks, ma'am. <laughs> what about, uh, so I'm guessing the same answer, if you have like a 30-minute connection and you need to get some food, and you're going to go for a burger? Yeah. Even Is that uh, popular in Australia? Like, go get burger and fries? Or is that very much an American thing? Uh, meat pie, man. I meat miss pie. my meat pies. Oh, man. That sounds uh, interesting. <laughs> the, the, there's an Aussie bakery in Atlanta. So I, every now and then, I get my little fix. But I, but I do miss that a lot. So rather than in Australia, I was less likely to have a burger. I'd be more inclined to grab a meat pie. What about Vegemite? Is that a, is that a big thing over there as much as it sounds? Yeah. Yeah, man. Like our kids live on that stuff. And no then, we'll have, you know, their friends come over and they almost vomit when they try it. I'll say you if know? I ever meet up with you, I need to try it. I've never tried it before. So I got to, got to give it its Dude, uh, justice. You, sa- you send me the coffee. I'll send you a Vegemite. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll I don't know if that sounds like a thing. good deal or not. <laughs> no, you, you're going to lose out, but, but yeah. we're still going to document it and it's going to be awesome. Perfect. I would love that. That'd be fun. Uh, would you rather fly IFR or VFR? Man, I've, I would be a terrible IFR pilot. I, <laughs> I, I'm a Johnny-come-lately private guy, day VFR, so yeah, don't stick me in the clouds. Long trips or short trips? Nah, short. CRJ or ERJ as a passenger? And a 100, or 145 or 200? I, I know I've been on both, and I just don't know them well enough they to both are uh, give you an answer. Yeah, so just say yeah. neither. <laughs> yeah, neither. Uh, 141 training or 61. If your kids were coming up to you today and be like, dad, I want to be a pilot. Are you going to train them yourselves? Get your CFI, tell them to go 61 with an old school, uh, pilot, or would you send them to an ATP or a fast track school? I would, I would have to seek the advice. I mean, they love flying and I'm sure I'm going to help them to a point, but when they sort of really want to take it more seriously, I'll, I'll be having to make that decision at that point. I don't have a good answer. What what would you do? Yeah. What would I do? What, yeah. What did you, what was your round? So I did 141 and 61. So I got my private 141 and then everything else 61. And I think it just depends on their end goal. I think if they want to get to the airlines as fast as possible and kind of view it as a job and, and want that seniority number, then you can't really beat a 141 school for how fast you can get things done. Uh, but if they kind of want to experience aviation more, I don't think you can beat 61. I think 61 just keeps the fun alive and it's just a lot of fun and you get to kind of do whatever you want and learn how to fly. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll cross that bridge when it happens and I'm sure it will. It will It will for our little boy, Archie, I'm sure. Yeah. Favorite airline livery? Man. Oh, I mean, I got to say Qantas, haven't I? I was going to say you have to. I mean, that's... <laughs> got I think to. You'd, yeah. Someone from, from Australia, from Qantas is listening to this right now and they're like, you better say Qantas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, would you rather fly over mountains, beaches, or cities? 
Uh, it would be beaches, mountains, then city. What's the There's biggest? My, what's the biggest win of your career? Did you say the biggest win? Yeah, like the best moment of your career it could be film or it could be in aviation. Uh, it, it was pr- probably with my work. I received uh, it's called the ACS accreditation. So you basically have to submit a body of work. And it's viewed by a panel of judges. And if deemed worthy, you're allowed to use the letters ACS after your name uh, as, a, as a director of photography. So when I got the little nod, that was certainly a, that was a pretty big deal. What about your biggest regret of your career? <laughs> uh, sorry. Is that a, I can't tell that story. Um, <laughs> if I've got to think about it this hard, maybe. I've done okay. Yeah. Sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, like I say, there's one, there is one there that's sort of sitting at the front of my head, but it might be best we keep that one. Over on drinks one day in Atlanta. The, yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, cool. When, you, you, when we're having Vegemite on toast together, yeah. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> all right, man, I'm going to hold you to that. Well, Lee, those are all the questions I have for you, man. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Uh, I know you're a busy man. You're in a hotel right now, uh, dedicated to record this podcast. So I really appreciate it. But it's a lot of fun talking to you. I think it's just so cool what you do. And uh, you definitely represent the community well and represent Australia and what you do very well. So I look forward to seeing uh, where you're going to go with everything and how this is going to go and and watching you grow and continue to be a a badass. So uh, keep it up, man. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Mate, thanks for having me. And it's fun that we can all connect you know, via social media and share it all. It's all good fun. Absolutely. And uh, I need to come down and visit uh, Mindy and uh, that group over there. So I'll come swing by your air park and uh, exactly what's yeah. up and try good, that uh, Vegemite. It's a great crowd. So uh, yeah, exactly. Come on down. Perfect. Well, Lee, thanks so much, man. I hope you have a great day. And uh, Cool, man. AV Nation, that is a wrap on the Pilot to Pilot podcast, episode 183 featuring Lee from Hangar 145. If you enjoyed this episode, please, like I said earlier, leave a review, follow Pilot to Pilot, follow Pilot's Coffee, and make sure to scoop up the best coffee in the game. It's unbelievable. But AV Nation, hope you guys are having a great day. And as always, happy flying.